In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome in to the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George, joined as always by Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. They are retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management. And you might have seen the headline to this uh, this podcast and might have caught your attention. The customer isn't always right. That is what we're going to talk about today. And we'll explain. We'll explain as we go through it. Don't, don't worry. They, Barbara and Phil definitely respect everybody's opinion that comes to their door. But sometimes you got to push back a little bit. That's their job to look out for your best interest. So we'll go through that today with them. Uh, Barbara, Phil, welcome in. How are you? Good. How you doing, Ben? We're doing well. We're doing I'm, well, Ben. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, just trying to wrap up the year. I know Barbara's for the last couple of months has been talking about how she's ready to fast forward into 2021, but we're almost there. We're getting close. Almost. <laughs> well, we just like to spend a little, a few moments here just to thank you, Ben, for the great job you've done in hosting our podcast for us. Uh, uh -huh. You've done a great job. You're a real professional and, uh, we really appreciate everything that you've done just to go over and above uh, what we expected. Yes, well, I appreciate you help that. Us a lot. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot from you both along the way, and uh, it's been fun doing the show. And, you know, the feedback we've gotten has been good too, which is always positive. So uh, I guess we're doing something right here in 2020, which is always a good thing. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited about that, and I appreciate being a part of the show. Yeah, before you started, Phil, I, got, I have to ask you though, too, we haven't gotten an update in, in a little while on the farm, you know, being deer season, you got off to a good start. Are things continuing to, you're riding that momentum, I guess, at the farm right now? Well, hey, how about them Packers? I mean, I'll tell you what, those Green Bay <laughs> oh, Packers are having a winning it. season. <laughs> uh, I, I get the idea. I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I would have, uh, I guess I could have more uh, encouraging things to say about uh, deer season. Uh, we had shotgun season this last weekend, and um, I think the deer uh, took the cue from our governor and went to Florida for the Thanksgiving holiday, but I, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's the big deal here in Illinois. Everybody's kind of grousing about the fact that the governor says one thing and does something different, goes mm -hmm. off to Florida. But anyhow, we don't know if he's actually going to go or not. We don't know that for a fact. So I, I shouldn't be unfair about it. But yeah, we uh, we got up there in the tree stand and, and sat and sat. You know, I think if I um, if I don't see anything for the first hour and a half, I, I go off and have my third cup of coffee um, <laughs> and come back in the evening. But we saw them, but they were kind of far out there. I actually had, uh, I had a 12 pointer that really kind of charged the, the tree stand from about 600 yards away. And then right at, uh, right at the last moment, about a hundred yards off, he veered off and went a different direction. I thought, boy, I, I got this guy right in my sights and uh, it would have been a trophy for me, but um, you know what? The deer guides uh, looked kindly on him that day. <laughs> it requires a lot of patience, doesn't it? It does. It really does. It's and it, you know, if if you like sitting out there and listening to the birds and watching the twenty squirrels running around, that's kind of cool. But uh, but it's it's fun to be out there, nonetheless, whether you get something or not. And plenty of coffee. Plenty of coffee. Yep. <laughs> plenty of coffee. Well, we appreciate the update. We'll check in with you again at some point here on the podcast to find out how things are going. I'm sure I'm, th I'm sure things will turn around for you uh, along oh, the I, way. Oh, I know they will. Absolutely. But yeah, but anyway, how about those Packers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about them Packers? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Gave away that whole second half. Oh, man. Oh, we that won't, was terrible. So we won't talk about that. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't go down that road. You're right. Um, <laughs> well, look, if you haven't joined the podcast before, you can find all the episodes online at pathfinderwealth.com. Uh, we've got a great database there. You can go back through a number of financial planning and retirement planning conversations 
conversations that we've had along the way, uh, including one on Roth conversions that we just had recently. If if you are listening to this at the end of 2020, I recommend you go back and listen to that podcast about Roth conversions. And and, uh, and if you're thinking about taking advantage of that, you don't have a whole lot of time to act into the year. Uh, it's kind of your deadline to, to get that taken care of. So be thinking about that and going back and listening to that. But otherwise, you can also get in touch with Barbara and Phil through the website as well. Or you can call them directly at 815-399-9806. Even though we're into the year, the the planning never never ends. So they'll be available for you if you have anything on your mind or want to work on anything. But we want to get to the topic today on the customer, why the customer isn't always right. Because if you've been a part of the retail world at all, you've heard the old saying, the customer is always right. But when it comes to financial planning, it's probably not too wise to subscribe to that idea I mean, think about it. What's the point of having a financial coach? If your advice is better than your coach's advice, that's that's the whole idea, right? So yeah. right. let's talk about some statements you might hear from clients, you know, Barbara and Phil, that you, you hear in your office at Pathfinder Wealth that might require you to push back a little bit because the customer isn't always right. How about this one, Ben? Okay. Now's the time to get out of the market. <laughs> we hear that. Well, actually, if you listen to financial media, that's what they've been saying since March. And hopefully our listeners and, and uh, thankfully many of our clients didn't pay attention to that. But that's a very good point as to having a financial coach if you think you know better. And you pay us for our expertise and we're supposed to be your guide. That's what you're paying us for. Let's look at the S&P this year. I'm going to look at a couple numbers because these are important. The S&P 500 this year, February 19th, it was at a record high, reached a record high of 3386 between March 4th and March 11th, so one week period, the index dropped to 2447, the steepest fall since 1987. It's a 30% drop. The next day, March 12th, it was down another 9.5%. This is all in about seven, eight days, all in, all in the month of March. Then it began to recover in April. So as of yesterday, as of November 24th, it's back. The S&P is back to 3,600. And yesterday, the Dow reached a new high of 30,000. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when the initial drop took place, people tend to panic and they want to go to cash. That's the biggest mistake they can make with their portfolio. The market actually had already dropped. And if you sell right now, you just realize those losses and it could take years of ever to recover. When you become a client with us, we have a specific strategy that we discuss together, and that entails exposure to the entire stock market, including international. And risk is part of the conversation. It's already factored in. We know that these things happen in the stock market. We just don't know when. You know, the the series of events are different, of course, but the market's reaction to them is not. So then in up and down markets, we rebalance. To invest the right way, if you think about it, Phil, is actually pretty boring. You know, got, yeah. It's not going to be a big uh, topic of conversation at the party, that's for sure. Yeah, you're not you're not buying and selling and in and out and trying to time the market and mm. all of this. You know, and when you have the right investments, you know it should be boring because investing's for the long term. It's holding the same investments, but you can't bounce in and out of the stock market. So interestingly, I was looking up statistics of market timing, and this is a 2016 article by Wim Antunes called <laughs> "Market Timing: Opportunities and Risk." And he surveyed some of this research and offered evidence against market timing, collected predictions by 68 market timing gurus between 1999 and 2012. That's a 13-year time frame. The data showed that 42 of the 68 gurus, that's over two-thirds, were accurate less than half the time. And then he also studied predictions from 2005 through 2012 
a seven-year period, a total of 6,582 forecasts and found after transaction costs, no single market timer was able to make money. Shazam. Gosh, yeah. what yeah. a surprise, huh? I know. So the conclusion, there are two kinds of investors, those who don't know where the market's going and those who don't know what they don't know. I had one client, only one client actually during this whole pandemic that wanted to go to cash and I warned him not to do it. So he acted against my warning and went to cash. But if the professional so-called seasonal market timers, that's these people that, you know, these day traders that, that do this for a living, if they can't get it right, why do you think you'd be successful? Now what you have to do is figure out when to get back in. It's just a losing game. Well, you know, you mentioned about the Dow 30,000. And I remember back in, in 1999, Barb, somebody published a book called Dow 30,000. I have it. Oh, do you really? I, yeah. you know, I threw mine away after it didn't happen, you know, so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was pie in the sky. And of course we had, uh, the trifecta in those three years and it brought the market way down and we're not market timers. We're not, we, and we don't necessarily follow the Dow, but the Dow is certainly a reflection of the, the prosperity of this nation and also the resilience of our economy. And so, you know, uh, there's been several debacles since that time we've had 2008, you know, where the market had dropped because of the real estate debacle. Whenever that happens, uh, it's uh, it's kind of the apocalypse du jour at that point, or the apocalypse. You know, it's never going to be the same. We've had advisors get on and say, you know, this economy will never recover. It'll never be uh, coming back to where it was. Well, this time it's different. This time it's different. But every time the market proves them wrong, recently we had a 33% GDP increase. That's the greatest increase for this period of time of any time in our history. Why? Because companies are not countries. Companies are not countries. And so we had a debacle earlier this year that was really not financial in nature. It was really medical in nature. Did it stop our economy? No. Right. Will it stop your desire for your need for goods and services, for lighting, for electricity, for gasoline for your car, for furniture, for groceries? Obviously not. And this nation will steam along. It'll have bumps along the way. I'm not too worried about what's going to happen with the next, next administration that comes in. We'll figure it out. These people that run these companies are smart folks, Barb. Right. They know how to make money for their stockholders, whether it's here or overseas. And that's what we have to, to rely on. Well, and you're talking, too, about companies that are not countries. It's so true. I, I think about Brazil back in oh. the 70s, mm -hmm. hyperinflation, and their stock market went through the roof. It's historical yeah. highs during that time. Oh, yeah. A million dollars became uh, worth about 50 cents after yeah. 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. but, well, but they were, stock market was good. And they were in, yeah, they were, they were, they were averaging 16% per year in their stock market yeah. during that same period of time. Well, if you try to come into the office and uh, tell Barbara Phil that it's time to get out of the market, maybe expect a little <laughs> bit of a pushback on that one. Uh, how about this statement from a customer that came in and, 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 and said this to you? Uh, this is what I want to invest in. I just need you guys to pick the exact funds for me. Wow, that one's uh, that one has, uh, it depends on the person's uh, emphasis. If he says something like this, this is what I want you to invest in. <laughs> <laughs> or this is what I want you to invest in. You know, take a look at it, Phil, kind of a thing. Well, there's different schools of thought on how to respond to this. And I'll give you a couple of examples of what I would use. Uh, I know some clients who have actually demanded from their advisors different investment strategies because they were the darling of the moment. And I'll give you some examples. Gold, real mm -hmm. estate, Bitcoin, or like Barb says, go to cash, go to cash. Yeah. You know, for the sake of saving their client, some of these advisors uh, would actually capitulate. They would comply 
And they're doing so, uh, they will not lose the client. They want to satisfy the client, even if the clients, it's not in the client's best interest. So it's almost like a patient doing self-diagnosis and then taking poison as the medicine. You don't want that to happen. But for the sake of losing the client, they're going to be able to, they're going to comply. They're going to fold under pressure and do what is not in the client's best interest. Here's a second type of uh, advisor. The second response is the advisor who might take offense at being told what to do. They bristle at the idea that they should be told how to do their job. After all, the advisor is the expert, not some kind of glorified order taker. And so there's a little bit of arrogance in there. You know, I mean, they're, they're established, they're successful. And so <laughs> shouldn't they listen to every word that the advisor has for them? Well, my approach is different, Ben, rather than use the pushback approach. And I don't like that word very much pushback because, you know, what you're doing, you're, you're trying to resist the suggestion. And, you know, there's been a lot of thought probably that has gone into that suggestion being made by this client. Um, I would recommend that we, we take and use the greatest sincerity and the most thoughtful manner to engage the client in a conversation about their suggestion, mm-hmm. whether we think it's the dumbest idea that we ever heard it or not. <laughs> after all, you know, this was the client's brainchild or conclusion after much thought, and I want to respect their insight or at least the effort they put into it. So the client actually sees us as offering him or her some kind of important value. And that's a compliment to us, isn't it, Barbara? Right. I mean, they're coming to us. They're looking for our advice. They realize that we offer some value, some skills and experience that maybe they lack. So let's tread lightly as, as we entertain that particular uh, suggestion by a, a prospect or a client. And so what I would do is I'd, be, I'd begin our conversation by asking a very important question that gets to the real issue of what's going on here. And the real issue is this. Does my prospect really respect the advice enough to follow it? Or are they just looking for free advice or something that will actually confirm their, their mind, their decision already? So in order to kind of find that out, I will ask a question that goes along like this. You know, if we could accomplish, Mr. and Mrs. Client, if we could accomplish your goals with an alternative investment that has less risk and greater predictability, would you be willing to consider it? Sure. Let me let me let me say it again. If we could accomplish your goals with an alternative investment that has less risk and greater predictability, would you be willing to consider it? Well, if they say yes, then the conversation continues on, right? If they they say no, I'm not sure. Well, okay, that that is that's going to probably be a very short conversation at that point because I'm not sure if I could do anything to help them. Their minds made up. Yeah, in fact, you know, I'm not there to give them research for their their decision. So. I would suggest we examine their investment suggestion a little bit more carefully to find out a couple things. Number one, will it meet their goals for long-term income? And number two, let us determine what the investment risk is or the standard deviation. How much volatility is in that investment? Okay. So that client may not understand that an investment is nothing more than merely a tool. It really is. It's a tool to help them get to where they want to go to fulfill their goals their investment goals, their income goals, their charitable giving goals, whatever it might be. But is that tool that they're using the right one? It could be a saw or a hammer, which is what they need, or it could be a stick of dynamite (laughs) and blow up the whole thing, you know? So the bottom line is, uh, if the client is willing to embrace uh, what we're talking about here, which is really an alternative portfolio based upon academic science, 
then the train goes on on the track. But frankly, very few people would consider running headlong off a cliff if they were given the warning signs ahead of time. True. And I, I was thinking of a couple of clients, actually, they, they, uh, that had called during this pandemic. We've only had a couple of phone calls, actually. Yes. But they do look to us for advice because they had told me both. Uh, they, were, they were definitely concerned, especially around the March-April time. But then after they talked to me, they did tell me that they were glad they talked to me because they're thinking one thing, but they do need to kind of just be led you know, along the right path and, and stay the course and the reasons why. Yeah, I think that they really need to be reminded about what expectations we agreed on early on in the process as well. Right. So they know that we're not market time. Is they're not, uh, we're not trying to get them in and out of the market or, or pick the best time to or the best asset class. We're not trying to outperform. And so they just need to be reminded. Uh, everybody has other things going on in their lives. And, and so when they see the stock market go down, uh, you know, they can get to panic mode pretty quick. And so we want to just remind them, encourage them, and we want to be an advocate to them. But, you know, I, um, yeah, we, we want to be there for them and listen to them. And, Absolutely. Uh, the one thing I was going to mention about this when, when you mentioned this question too, Phil, is I thought of a couple of clients that I've dealt with over the last couple of years, and that's picking the right funds for me, quote unquote, mm-hmm. because I've had uh, people come in and, and they, they want all clean energy or you know, nothing in fossil fuels. Socially responsible kind of stuff. Socially responsible yep. funds. Yeah, alternative investments. And you're not going to find a fund that's solely in those alternative investments uh, and nothing else. If you, if you look at their holdings, maybe 80% of the fund is invested in energy, for example. But then if you look at their top 10 holdings, the other 20% consists of globally diversified companies. So you've got large companies, large cap companies, and they will be invested in things like plastics and fossil fuel that you may not agree with. And those funds have high expense ratios mm-hmm. between, I'd say when I've looked at those between one and a half and 2%, and that's a lot of return to give away. My, my response to them was this, and that is why not invest in a proven diversified strategy for your investments. And then from the portfolio's return, contribute to the causes that you're passionate about. There you go. Absolutely. That's a great point. Um, all right. I got another one for you. I know when you, work with clients, you, you know, there's so many different aspects of planning that go into it. And I can imagine some people don't always want to uh, invest the time and money into certain parts of that. So you might hear something like, hey, uh, Barbara, no, I don't, I don't really want to, I really need to spend the money on blank. And I think two things that come to mind are a trust and, and life insurance. Yes, yes. Um, those were the two that um, I certainly thought of right away. Well, we discussed the need for an estate plan when you become a client with us. We'll have you meet with one of the local attorneys that we work with, and they'll meet you right here in our office. Most people have a will. Some, some don't, but most people have a will, which is very simple. If I die, it all goes to the spouse. If the spouse dies, it all goes to me. If we both die, then it all goes to the kids. Simple, right? Well, not necessarily so. We have to give thought to what happens in, uh, in the case of kids not getting along, or kids' spouses, or lawsuits for just about any reason today. And the, the fact that wills do guarantee the probate process because you're dying with assets in your name. So a will is less expensive to set up. And uh, the alternative is a trust, a revocable trust. Revocable, of course, means that you can amend it. And a trust will address family dynamics and can be very specific in its setup. It's a more expensive document because there's more detail. But you can protect your estate when it comes to your kids uh, passing on to your kids upon the second death. Because there's so many considerations. You've got kids' spouses, you've got grandkids, you've got second or more marriages, estranged kids. 
You can spend a lot of time focusing on your investments, but without the right estate protection plan, much of that could be lost. Just look at what happened with famous people like Marilyn Monroe, Michael Jackson, Prince, Sonny Bono, just to name a few. Slightly more cost up front with a revocable living trust, but it's a private document and it avoids the probate process for your heirs. We say that uh, the estate plan needs to be the cornerstone of your planning process. And, and the reason we do is because, you know, you can do all the right things tax-wise. You could get mm-hmm. the best returns in the market with the least amount of risk. You can do all those things right that uh, are really detailed in nature. But if you don't do a properly drafted estate plan, you could lose a lot of it to ancillary expenses along the way. And the question is, you know, how easy or difficult do you want to make it for your children when it comes time? You know, they're more concerned about your health care needs, uh, getting you the right type of care. The last thing in the world they want to do, Barb, is run off and find an attorney to figure out how they're going to clean up this mess. Right. And, you know, and, and to think that the entire probate process can be avoidable. That's Absolutely. The, that's the key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room, long-term <laughs> care. Uh, we hear this often, Phil, and, I, and uh, we, we kind of joke about it, but maybe it's not funny. And we'll hear people say, well, I'm not going to the nursing home. No, give me the big pill. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Phil, I think it looks pretty nice outside today. Don't you think today would be a good day to go to the nursing home? I think we should go to two. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh <laughs> You know, so I tell my clients they need to be aware of their options. This, that's what, this, is, this is how I deal with the subject. You have to be aware of your options when that time comes. And if it's important to you to discuss it, then we'll talk about it. And it's important to me. If it's not important to them, then as long as they know what the end result could be with their estate, uh, should they go, then I'd leave it at that. No one chooses to go to a nursing home. And your kids won't tell you this, but they really don't want that burden because it's grueling. It's not for the faint at heart, and it can be for many, many years. We see that with our clients. We've got clients that are taking care of of parents uh, right now. Statistics are high. 70% of people reaching the age of 65 will spend some time in a nursing home with the average cost right now at about $102,000. And we talk about a low annual inflation rate of about 2% right now, 2 to 3%. The inflation rate on nursing homes is about 6% per year. Medicare will pay for 20 days in a nursing home. If they pay after that at all, it depends on if you enter the nursing home from the hospital or on your own. But altogether, no more than 100 days will Medicare pay for. So there are, there's alternatives. There's the traditional long-term care plan where you pay out of pocket every year. And of course, if, if our listeners are, are paying for long-term care, that you know that those over time can increase and your premiums uh, you know, can be quite out of hand if that's the case sometimes. We, we just saw that recently. So that's the traditional plan. And uh, but there's also plans out there where you deposit money and if you pass on and you never go to the nursing home, your money will pass on to your estate. Well, interestingly, in 2018, there were 350,000 people that purchased long-term care. Mm. What's even more interesting is only about 16% purchased the traditional plans. So 84% had what's called the linked benefit coverage. And that's the type of plan I was mentioning where you have a deposit and you're, you're, of course your deposit grows, you never use it, it goes to your estate. It's all in how you feel about the subject. But I, we approach it, right, Phil? We approach it with uh, knowing and, and letting you know what your options are and then the, the, the choice is yours. Yeah, long-term care has always been a little bit of a push that uh, you've had mm-hmm. to try to persuade people to, to buy into. And, and uh, you know, Barbara and I, neither one of us are, are pushy folks. We don't want to try to persuade people to do something that they don't feel good about doing. So they have to come to the conclusion, this is something that they need to explore on their own and embrace. 
Yeah, it's about having education on the uh, what the ramifications are. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. So the last one I want to hit on with uh, with working with clients is uh, relates to fees because, you know, you might see fees and uh, think of them as a bad thing, obviously, but it's not always the case. But you might hear something like this from a client. It's fine that the returns aren't very good because of the fees are low. <laughs> yeah, fees are low. Well, uh, you know, this is a... <laughs> This is a, another elephant in the room that uh, most advisors want to try to stay away from like the, like the plague. So my response is, you know, there's an old adage, Ben, that um, advisors use when things aren't going well for the client. And it, it goes like this. You must always manage the client's expectations. Well, what it means is that you must persuade them to kind of see things your way or do it in such a way to reach the advisor's desired outcome. And I reject that approach because I think it's, it's somewhat manipulative and, and, and even dishonest. Because the question is, you know, why is the advisor really trying to persuade them otherwise? Is it just to keep the client or is it to do the right thing for the, for the client? Are they really acting in a fiduciary capacity? I think a better way to address a crisis, a concern, or a difficulty is to do this. Determine the client's expectations. Now, what that means is this. It's different from the first. When we determine the client's expectations, we're being proactive. Mm -hmm. If we're trying to manage the client's expectations, we're being reactive, okay? So we want to be able to work with this up front. We want to be able to introduce the topic of fees. So when the fee question comes up, we see the importance of having a discussion of this right away. And it's a super important discussion because if the client doesn't bring it up, I will. And it goes something like this, and I'll state what I would actually state to a client. At some point, Mr. and Mrs. Client, you're going to ask the question, especially if the stock market is down and your investments are down, Phil or Barb, why am I paying you for this when I'm actually losing money? How, why am I, give me some reasons why I need to pay you for uh, <laughs> losing money for me. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? right? We don't pay for goods and services when they're inferior or they don't meet up to our expectations. So, so let's talk about this in advance because as we want to see if we both understand what our expectations are for each of us, okay, we want to agree with the expectations ahead of time. So our answer to this question about fees, we'll start out by stating to our client what the client is not, what we're not paying for, what that client is not paying for, okay? So we're coming at it from the uh, reverse standpoint here. Mm -hmm. So here's the examples of what we are not paying for. We're not being paid to outperform the market. In other words, uh, we're not trying to outperform the S&P, the Dow, uh, your brother-in-law's account or his broker, okay? We're not, we're not being paid to do that. We're also not being paid to time the market. In other words, the best time to get in, the best time to get out. That's a fool's errand because you have to be right on both sides. Yep. We're also not being paid to predict when the next market crash will be coming or what's going to happen under a President Trump or a President Biden. We can't tell you what's going to happen. We're not here to predict the future. We're not here. To, we're not being paid to speculate, gamble, or guess with your money. That's not what we're going to do. Well, what are we being paid to do? Specifically, here's what we're being paid to do to help you achieve your long-term retirement and income goals. And that doesn't mean that your account's going to go up every year. The longer you hold the account, the more that your returns revert to the mean. In other words, yeah. revert to the averages for your account long-term. And we've already figured out what your portfolio will produce long-term. We're also being paid to keep you perfectly balanced between stocks and bonds, U.S. and international, small and large companies, 
value and growth companies with, now get this now, with predictability of risk and the probability of returns. And those are scientifically established. We, we know that academically that, that information is out there and we've already established that for our client. Also, we're here to, to stay calm and unemotional when everybody else is jumping out of basement windows around you, right? So we want to make sure that you don't panic or when you do, you call us, we're going to be your, your voice of reason. We're going to be there to state why it makes sense to stay the course, not panic, be steadfast. So we're here to also help you understand that, you know what, your emotions are your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And that's true of Barb, of you and I, when we get a little bit panicked about certain things in our lives, yeah, we've, been, quickly. We, yeah, we've been taught to go to a guru, whether it's God, whether it's our pastor, whether it's a friend, a trusted friend, people that are knowledgeable, people that are level-headed. We want to seek out our coach to find out you know, what we should do during these times. We're also being paid to help you get all the returns that you can possibly get that the market offers. And you're going to get it. You're going to get it all. Our clients get all the returns that are offered in each of those asset classes. And that eventually will add to what we call a peace of mind as an investor. Yeah. And it gets down to, like you said, no, we're not market timers. We're not track record investors. We don't jump in and out of the market. And so does your investment philosophy align with ours? I mean, do you understand that we're not going to go to cash? Expectations are very important. So we want to determine those ahead of time, not manage those expectations to try to clean up the mess afterwards. Afterwards, exactly right. I, I think it comes down to perception. You know, what are you paying a fee for? If it's strictly for money management, well, maybe the fee is too high. I mean, we've seen people come in, we're here sure. with some pretty high uh, fees that they're paying, or what are you getting for that fee? And then when, when someone says it's too high, I say, my first thought is too high compared to what? What are, you, what are you comparing it to? And we let our clients know um, how we look at retirement and we look at it from a big picture view. It's not just investments. We review estate plans, we set up an estate plan, and we discuss long-term goals, like mm-hmm. Phil said. We provide an actual plan for income for all of retirement. You have to have a plan for income and where that's going to come from and grow over time because we have to plan for 30-some years. Tax returns, we look at 1040s every year. Protecting your estate from catastrophic illness. And then we review regularly. So the fee does come from their investments. I'd say ask your advisor what it is that you're paying for. Right. Um, We know this too, Phil, that many money managers are just that. You have to decide if they're doing the full job for you. I often hear this when I'm talking about uh, to people after they've come to one of our classes. And uh, when we talk about saving money on taxes and retirement, people say, well, my financial advisor doesn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's time you found someone that did. You have to think of it this way. People's lives change. So the financial advisor that was with you for many, many years, that they probably did a good job. Yeah, those, maybe you've those, outgrown that person at that that's point. That's right. Maybe that's what's happened. And so now you're in need of different planning than when you started. So it's, it's okay to make changes. We've seen this with people that have been with someone for 10 years or 20 years or more, and they feel guilty. It's your hard-earned oh, money. Yeah, so you yeah. do the best for you. Well, thanks for taking us through all these, because I think the bottom line you know, for people uh, listening to this episode is that... You know, you want somebody that's that's fighting for your best interests, and that's what you guys do with with your clients. It's not about you know disagreeing with someone just to disagree and prove that you're you're correct. It's about looking out for them and and having their back and their their financial decision making, and and that's what y'all strive to do every day with your clients at Pathfinder Wealth. So 
If you are someone that's looking to uh, to build a financial plan or you have some ideas that you want to get a second opinion on, you can tell Barbara and Phil will be honest with you and straightforward and help you with those decisions and make sure whatever you do, it is uh, in line with your goals for retirement. So that'll do it for us on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. Again, I encourage you to visit the website, pathfinderwealth.com for all past episodes, plus to get in touch with Barbara and Phil to schedule a meeting as well. Uh, Barbara, Phil, thank you again for uh, the time today and this episode. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.